2: going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with The Most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Donovan Malero from the band Hail the Sun. They have a new album coming out. Uh, it is called New Age Filth. It comes out this Friday, the 16th of April. Um, we want to put it out a couple days early. We've been sitting on this one for a little while. Donovan was a fantastic guest. I had a blast talking to him. He's got a magazine called Kill Iconic. Um, You can subscribe to that. It's actually a print magazine. I subscribe to it myself. Uh, I believe the boys from Fall of Troy are coming out in the new episode or the new issue and uh, stoked to have him on the show. Hail the Sun has been on a really awesome trajectory lately. Um, You know, albums are doing well. This new album is fantastic. I think all of you guys are going to love it. Um, at the time of this interview, I'd only heard the track Domino from the record, uh, but I've since heard a lot more, and I'm really stoked, and I think you guys are going to be as well. So let's get some business out of the way, and then we'll jump into the episode. Uh, peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me, send me guest ideas, uh, or just communicate in general. I answer all my email. Um, and I love I love getting you know random emails all throughout the week of people with different guest ideas or questions comments on the episodes anything like that so definitely definitely send those emails um, we also have the Facebook group the peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle Facebook group on Facebook you can go sign up for that um, and we'll absolutely get you added on you get all kinds of stuff you get. You know, early access to who's coming on. I usually post like the night before or a couple of days before who I'm talking to that week. Um, and you guys can chime in if you have questions for them or, or things like that. If I have time, I'll get to them. Um, but as I do the show kind of off the cuff, there's not always time to get those in. So uh, definitely appreciate you guys sending those, though. So we will absolutely try to get those requests in. Um, and I mean, again, Donovan Molero is on the show today. Um, we're putting it out here it's uh monday night right now just finished another episode we've been running hot and heavy so things are going crazy i've uh, been trying to do a lot more on the instagram live if you guys have been chiming into those i've been doing some of these intros on there including this one uh so cheers to everyone who's watching this and uh yeah <laughs> without further ado let's jump into this episode with donovan malero from hail the sun angeles los angeles okay man i i am so stoked to speak to someone in the evening uh but also someone on the west coast i've been doing <laughs> so many like east coast shows lately and, and, and like weird rants ramb- like Bel- uh, not belgium uh i don't even remember the country it's over in europe it's like nine hour time difference it's a pain Ooh. in the ass to try to get those Fuck set that. but uh yeah man. Well, welcome to the show, dude. It and it just starts when I when I click in. That's the way it's always been. Um, okay. So, anyway. Uh Donovan Malero, dude, tell me uh th- th- how are you doing? How are you doing with this whole situation?
3: Uh the situation being
2: what? Being being in in Los Angeles and stuck at home.
3: Gotcha. Um I'm doing I'm doing just fine. I'm I've adapted to this sort of lifestyle at the moment and as you probably know no one's just home that's like i know we're calling it quarantine but no one's fucking doing that at least not where i'm at everyone's out and about everyone's lives for the most part seem um like they're moving along Mm semi-normal i mean i don't want to no disrespect to people who have gotten sick or family members who have gotten sick i just mean the everyday lifestyle it really does seem like the live entertainment industry is the one that it's like fucking taboo don't even try how dare you type of thing i know i sound bitter about that and if <laughs> i do sound bitter it's because i am bitter about that uh but i've adapted and i've just been working on shit from home from friends houses and being as safe as i can in the process
2: yeah man that's awesome that's awesome yeah i, I, I knew california was locked down a lot different than than uh oregon but that's why I was asking mm-hmm. because I I've I have no idea. Like up here, it's everyone's doing whatever they want. Like, yeah, Super I mean, they Bowl yesterday, it was outdoor. packed. Where <laughs> the Super Bowl yesterday was packed.
3: Oh yeah, dude, to the it's, gills. It's, uh, we won't we we won't get too much off topic, but I've got lots of thoughts about about all of that. Uh, they did open outdoor dining mm-hmm. here in LA again. Um, retail stores are open. Targets are fucking packed. It's, it's semi-normal
2: yeah dude did you watch the super bowl
3: i didn't i didn't even know who was playing in the super bowl and that's not because i'm like against football i just this year i just had no fucking clue
2: yeah i didn't until last week (laughs) (laughs) i didn't i didn't know who's playing until last week because i didn't care my my seahawks were out so like but i watched the halftime show with uh the Uh weekend oh yeah yeah and i knew i was just waiting for the memes to start and of course the one that came up this morning with him you may have seen it but it's him with all his dancers and they're all wearing like they look like jock strap face masks and oh, him really? and it they put slipknot below it oh, it's that's incredible good.
3: I, I have not seen that one it's incredible i
2: have not seen it dude you got <laughs> you got to watch the halftime show to understand it but it was weird but like, I knew someone somewhere was going to do something great, and they did, and put Slipknot under it. It was fantastic. Nice, but uh, <laughs> dude, so well, what do you do? What do you? What is your? What is your? I mean, I know what you do with music, but you have a whole bunch of shit going on, don't you? Like you do all sorts. Of, I so even your email has a different company on the bottom of it, like a like a booking agency or something. What do what do you do?
3: Okay, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a North American booking agent for Dynamic Talent Dynamic International. Talent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing that for, gosh, since 2014, officially with uh, with the company. I've been a, a, an official booking agent since then. So I have a, a roster of clients I work with. I started booking bands because I was booking DIY tours for Hail son, mm-hmm. And we eventually got an agent and I had developed all these relationships and thought, I'll just help out my friends' bands. And I realized I had a, I had a knack for it. And I, I enjoyed doing it. So I continue doing that. I've been booking bands up until this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're still, I'm looking at now the fall fingers crossed for the fall. Uh, so that's, that's been my main career alongside performing and touring. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, I promote shows at 1720 the venue in Los Angeles. My good friend, uh, Brett Powell owns the room with, uh, some other people. And, um, I started working on promoting shows there in 19, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that all ended, though, as well last year. And my latest uh, endeavor, which I'm at, at the moment most excited about, uh, aside from Hail the Sun stuff, <laughs> is Kill Iconic. It's a, a music magazine that I just launched, it's print only, something I've been working on since uh, April of last year it had been an idea for a couple of years uh, but i just didn't have the time or the uh, resources uh, to do it i was just go 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 There was touring there's travel for uh, to see clients play Um, there's always something recording i perform with a band called nova charisma as well Mm -hmm. also on equal vision and uh, as of last year started putting out more and more solo music so once uh, more time opened up i got to work with a, a team of people And we launched Kill Iconic Music Magazine in December. It's been going fucking awesome. I'm very, very uh, happy with the response and the reception to it. And uh, I'm in the the process of now launching the label aspect of that Kill Iconic Records. And uh, eventually there is a phase three that uh, I'll probably speak on a a little later. But I wanted to be this overarching uh, um, umbrella that I get to completely um have creative control
2: over. Wow, dude. How how do you go about starting a magazine? Like I mean, magazines have been around for I was just talking to my wife about this, like Thrasher magazine, right? Like uh, yeah. how how old are you? I'm 31. 31. Okay. So you remember Thrasher magazine. Like when I it was do. still yeah, in yeah. print. Like yeah. now I see kids wearing Thrasher hoodies that have no idea what it is or what it was. Yeah. Like right? the it's the creators the are dead, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but like, so of course I know like what a magazine is, like a print, I miss print magazines, of course, but what, what spawned that, like that idea to, to do a print magazine of, especially in today's climate, because it's, everything's going digital. That's probably maybe the exact reason <laughs> as I'm saying
3: that, uh, you know, <clears throat> that is why, and the fan base and the community of bands that I know and perform with love collectible tangible items myself included i am fortunate enough to have uh, been a part of this growing scene this growing community of progressive rock post-hardcore bands uh and a bunch of stuff outside of that even it's not just that but that's uh for the most part that's uh, been the genre that i've been most connected with and the performed in multiple bands of that genre of course hail the sun uh being the the main one. And then the one that's been going for the longest, but just like, I guess I can compare it to when hail the sun was going from 2010, 2015, roughly we weren't landing a lot of support tours and we would just say, fuck it. Let's go headline. And the headline shows, some of them were, I mean, they were fucking duds that that's what happens, but that's like a taboo word in, in this day and age bands do net. It's like headlining no. Support, 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 and I, I get the game. I I get all of that, and I and I know it's there's strategy to that. But if we weren't getting tours, we would just do it ourselves. We would just headline
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, until we started getting support tours. So that in mind, just like festivals like Warp Tour have had to adapt, um, it, it, very uh, very um, intelligently adapt to their changing demographic. So have print magazines. So have magazines that maybe would have had Daryl Palumbo on the cover. Now we're going to have something completely different because the reader base has changed. There's uh, that, I think, is, uh, is commendable. That's awesome that there's a, they're able to adapt.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: When all of this was happening, there was this window that kept opening. I started noticing it about three years ago. There's this window of in demand for information and content within this community of bands that started being overlooked. It was overlooked because it wasn't enough to satisfy, to satisfy or to satiate the demand um, of different publications, but it was enough for me to recognize and want to, to go in and start that process. Um, So that's where it all started. I, I realized that by last year, I'd made so many relationships and had so many friends in this community. And, we, and I worked with a lot of the same people for a long time. Uh, Hail the Sons had our same touring crew for five years now. We, we all work together. I'm huge on that. I'm huge on working with friends, people I trust, and people I want to work with. We've kind of grown in this community together. And in doing that, I realized there's enough, there's enough material, material here. There's enough stories, enough personalities, um, uh, enough to, to put now put into a magazine. And that's exactly what we did. We just kept it in house. We did it ourselves. Um, I did it with a team of three other people uh, who helped this vision come to life. Uh, Michael Rex, Claudia and Christelle. And I couldn't have done it without them, but, We got it off the ground by just calling up friends, essentially, and saying, we're doing this. Would you like to be a part of it? And I realized that everyone I wanted to cover, everything that I had, everyone I had met who I thought could contribute something great to the magazine, I already, by this point, know personally or um, am not too far off in degrees of connections where it wouldn't be difficult to reach out and get a connection Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, And that's my long-winded answer to say that the, de- I was, the demand was there. It is there because these things took off. People started subscribing. They're buying them. I've, I'm now putting them in, into record stores. And I want it to be a unique, collectible type of, of item. It's, it's extremely high-quality paper. Uh, it smells great. I love the way that good paper <laughs> smells. Uh, and there's perks that come with the subscription uh, versus just buying a single issue. But it's something that I myself... Can see putting on my coffee table and not necessarily my bathroom to read um, or, or to showcase. I guess mm-hmm. it, it just it looks it feels good. It looks more like a lookbook, like a a collectible, um, a collectible uh, c- compilation of photos and mm-hmm. stories.
2: Dude, that's excellent. That's excellent. And so, is it is it like bi monthly? Is it is it monthly, bi monthly, quarterly? I'm going to have to subscribe to this seasonal. dude because I'm I'm stoked on this. This is great. Like yeah. I remember touring and finding Vice magazine in like random like record stores or like uh like little offbeat shops and it always yeah. like it smelled good, it looked great, yeah. and I would grab them and just like stuff them in my backpack and bring them home. I wouldn't even read them on tour. I wanted to wait till I got home. And it was right. like this thing that like you only found certain places and it always yeah. had the most fucked up stuff in there. Like <laughs> random shit, like one guy, and this is totally off what you're doing, I'm sure. But one was just a guy like was paid to eat corn and nothing but corn for like a oh, week God. or something like that. And like document everything, like when it eventually Jeez. was just corn. But it was like, who the fuck does that? Like that, that, uh, that's funny. super famous photographer was in there. Like, did you remember that magazine? Like the, the print version of vice?
3: I never, I don't remember the print version of vice.
2: Oh, no, dude anyway that's yeah it's neither here nor there but like i love that about it like it was like i had to find it like it was really yeah there's cool. something
3: special about that exactly. there's something really special about uh, ex- exclusivity of these of these items i'm not necessarily looking for a distro deal at this time I mean, in the future in the future that'd be great but i like the idea i've got I, for years, I cold called venues and promoters Mm -hmm. to build those relationships. I'm very used to doing that type of research. So it's been a whole exciting game now to be cold calling record stores and bookstores, asking friends, what's the most popular record store in your city? And then reaching out to them and trying to sell them on this magazine and carrying it in their store because of the um, very hungry reader base that I believe it attracts. And that's mm-hmm. been a whole new thing, which has been very fun to do. And it feels exclusive because only certain record stores are carrying it at this time.
2: Yeah, dude, that's excellent. Have you thought about, and I know you guys have a new record coming out and we don't ever usually ever talk about that on this show because it's not, I mean, if they want to list the record, listen to the record, but like, yeah, have you thought about sending that, like doing something like with the packaging where you, you get an issue of that or like get like a like a teaser of that with the record, like to promote it?
3: yeah um i've got a few things in the pipeline a few okay. ideas that i'd like to uh, try to part, like package up um it, there's just a few more uh logistics to go through before we're, okay. we're able to commit to something but that's exactly it's like it's this tool now that uh there's so many new things that we can do with it there's so many we can send flexi discs of unreleased demo yeah. with some of, of, the, of the cover artists maybe on some issues there's there's so many things we can do to co-promote many, many things. Um, it, and to, to have that also, as I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, reach out, uh, tie into um, other businesses.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's just all going to be in its own ecosystem. And that's something I'm lucky, uh, lucky enough to be a part of that I've experienced with the, the scene of music I play in. And to now be building it with a platform of people who are just as interested in it. Like that's a musician's dream, really. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very lucky to be able to be doing all this. I I realize that every day, it's a very grassroots based type of uh, build. And that's, there's nothing more, there's nothing I love more than that, than building something um, with integrity from the ground up. It just feels really
2: good. Dude, there's nothing better than that. There's There's nothing nothing. better than that. That's why people have children. Like that, people will want to have yeah. children. They want to build a Enjoy. better version of themselves, like from the ground yeah, up. Yeah, dude, it's the yeah. most. It's the most. It seems like the most, the most basic, like human wants to yeah. make something, whether it's a rock sculpture or a cave painting, or a magazine, or a band, a record, a child, like something that will live past you, that will be there. Yep. You know, people can look at later, right? Like that's a just exactly a, just a basic thing, but not a lot of people get there. And actually make mm-hmm. it happen.
3: It's become a, an obsession, definitely. I'm I'm, a, I'm an obsessive person anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it's in my uh, personality. It's one of my what's well, one of my traits, um, and with this whole new, t- this whole new shifting of my normal workflow mm-hmm. from agent team twenty four seven and touring and performing altogether. To now working on this endeavor. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff is, is going to come back. It started too slowly in the agent world as well. But the whole shifting of that work has got me so psyched again. And, and my schedule is a little different with the way that I approach my days. I'm trying to also take this time to not go so fast. I, I've, been, I've gone really fast in the last uh, six years. And there's a lot of shit that I'm now sorting through, mm-hmm. um, just in all aspects of my life, and so I don't want to completely let it these uh, these new ambitions take over my mind because it'll, it'll loop, it'll just fucking loop. Uh, uh, just like I said before, I'll I will pace <laughs> in, in my room as I'm doing this. Yeah. Uh, but with with the more calmer approach and a more deep breath type of approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, I can obsess on it healthily in a way yeah. where uh, that's, that's basically been all I've done. All I've been doing is thinking of ideas to pair this up with different uh, aspects of the music industry, with different artists, mm-hmm. with hail the sun. Um, and in, in speaking of, of that type of f- fulfillment from building something from the ground up, it feels very uh, reminiscent of when, hail the sun would be playing to to fucking nobody in these diy bars and very slowly building a fan base and there's things of course i I would change going back i I learned things along the way um that we probably didn't have to Mm -hmm. but seeing that type of growth has been uh has felt really really good i want to be able to do that all the time if i can just continue to C- contribute to all, all, all aspects of, uh, of these endeavors.
2: Dude, it's that, that organic growth. hundred mm-hmm. percent. That's I do. This show the same way. Like it started out very small with Andrew from fall of Troy coming on and doing the first episode with me. Oh, and it was like, yes. And, and it just started growing like very slowly, but it started growing and now it's growing exponentially since being with That's EDR. So cool. Like you and I are label mates now, even though I'm not playing music, <laughs> but, uh, since that partnership, like it's just like every month is just like either doubling or like, it, it's insane. Like yeah. four, it was, I've been doing it for four years now and it's, so it's just, but it's that very small thing. Every email that comes in, I respond to it, every message, every, you know, and I communicate with these people that respond and like send like, Hey, I love this about the episode. I love this is how you do your show. And I like this. Hey, I didn't like this. Like engaging with people on that level, uh, felt really good again i used to do it with music Mm. you know building building our bands up like the same thing you're going through like you know playing to in uh what was the club called in san francisco Chemos. uh Um, it's a bar in san francisco we played to the bartender that's it and we (laughs) were like well we're gonna play and we played our hearts out it's like it's basically practicing in somewhere else like it's not our practice Mm -hmm. space you know then the next night is there's 300 people like it was so inconsistent, but you're growing and growing and growing. That organic growth, I mean, you appreciate it all. Nothing's handed to you. Right. You can have it handed right. to you. But if you have the pleasure of not having it handed to you and work for it all the way, you appreciate everyone and everything. And you'll be seeing mm-hmm. those fans 10 years from now, knowing them by name because they've been there the whole time. You right. Know, it's we killer. have
3: lots of those.
2: Yeah. It's killer, man. Where, where does this hustler spirit come from? Like, where does... I mean, I, the, the, when I'm gathering from what we've talked about so far with you having that gathering of friends and bringing people in and keeping people close, it could go two ways in my mind if I'm to assume that either growing up family time was not great and you gravitated towards friends and friends became the family or it can go the complete other direction. The family was great and you try to recreate that with your friends because I see this a lot. Like it's if someone really has like a drive for something, really wants something and they bring all their friends with them, a lot of times family was rough because they didn't Mm -hmm. feel safe at home. Didn't feel a part of the home life. And you know, it's like gang mentality where Nope, they're Mm -hmm. my family now. You know what I mean? And I don't like to assume that, but I want to know like, you know, where's that hustler spirit come from and and did you come from, you know, a good home? If you don't mind Um, me asking, I know it's kind of forward,
3: but uh, no, I, I don't mind at all. Yeah. Uh, so my upbringing was, was great. Great home, mm-hmm. uh, great family. My parents were always very, very supportive. on what I was doing, in fact, they bought me a drum set when I was five or six years old, they encouraged me to play. Uh, and I thank them for that now because they put up with lots of noise <laughs> for the remainder of my my time in their house From for five on next years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before I went off to college, I was always doing bands, and they were very very supportive of that. Um, I, I was on a I was talking with my friend Andrew Cram on his part his podcast where Are all my friends uh, last week, and this the same thing came up, and so it it clicked again um i can trace it back essentially to getting sober when i got sober in 2009 i had all this displaced energy that i would spend on doing bullshit before absolute bullshit activities that only made my life worse what that was how i spent most of the day Mm -hmm. so when that was gone uh that had to go somewhere and i realized that i had i had Um, different passions I never realized I had. And that's when I started pursuing those and using the same type of energy I would use in pursuing um, a lifestyle that wasn't good for me in pursuing. I was using that same energy to pursue a more healthier lifestyle and become obsessed with things that would cause me to progress. I was, I did not want to feel like I was going back. I felt like I'd already wasted a couple of years uh, I, luckily, I caught this quick, but I would wasted uh, several years hating myself, doing bullshit, uh, feeling just feeling bad about myself, but doing nothing about it. Feeling like I, I was just re- re- constantly regressing. The fuck am I doing? Well, it's because of the choices I was making. When I could change that, I, I didn't ever want to lose track of time. This is maybe more of an obsessive thing. But after that, I started writing down a calendar, um, a digital calendar, every uh, hour of the day I was awake, what I had done. Because I hated, that I wasted so much time before that. Same thing with, uh, I worked in the food industry for um, from the age of 15 to 24. And when I got clean, all the tips I, I was making, any cash tips that I would have, I would be tracking. There's no, notebooks after notebook after notebook of any cash that I would make or spend was constantly logged because before that, it would just be gone. I would have I would make $100 in tips, and a couple of days later, it was gone. And I couldn't even remember what the fuck, where it was going. Where was my money going? Where was my time going? I had no clue. It was just gone. I hated that. So that's where I feel like it stemmed from, and then I just ran with it. Uh, I had a, I had a great joy of booking of business. I, I I majored in recording arts actually, so I had my bachelor's in the recording arts. But my junior and senior year, I realized I no longer had a passion for that. I didn't want to record anymore. I was booking these DIY tours with MySpace and Facebook in mm-hmm. my lectures, while the teachers were teaching whatever they were teaching. I was just lost in my laptop booking tours, and I thought, "Fuck it, I'll finish out the program." I told my professors, uh, "I think I don't really think I want to do this anymore." but I'm already a senior, I like, should I just finish? And like, just finish it up and then do what you wanna do after that, I Couldn't, can't, it, it couldn't hurt to mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I finished it up and immediately dove into the business industry side of, um, of things and was just very hungry. I, I wanted to always be learning and moving forward. That, that, that term just keeps coming to my head um, as I, as I uh, recall all this was moving forward moving forward, moving forward, something that would, I asked a million questions that that's how I am. I'll ask so many questions. I had some great mentors uh, at the time who could help me out as well. Uh, But it was just this drive to not waste any more time. And and when I started seeing things happening, Mm -hmm. uh, I realized that there was no ceiling and that's the biggest appeal to everything that we do, everything that we do, Uh, It's a gamble because at the beginning, uh, I mean, even now, there's no steady paycheck, so to speak. There's no there's no Mm. guarantee of shit, really. Yeah. But there's also no ceiling and the excitement that that brings me, the uh, the uh, unknown factor of we can do anything like that law of attraction type of mentality. I'm really, really big on it. That is the most appealing part. To all of this is not only doing what we love, mm-hmm. but the fact that there's n- there's no cap. There's, n- there's no cap. Uh, we can do it for as long as we want. As-, as long as we're, I mean, there's strategy and, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But where there's a will, there's a way. And that aspect of it is uh, extremely appealing.
2: Yeah, dude. So there's a lot to unpack there
3: yeah I'm I sorry I no, this is on, like, no, okay. this is
2: good. This is exactly <laughs> how my show works because I don't I don't um, I don't have like notes in front of me. I don't have like research in front of me because I like to naturally go at somebody, right? like to have a conversation together, learn about you because I know what you do. like I know I know your band your band's fantastic. That's why I said, Dan, let's get him on the show. like but I had no idea that you, you had a uh, uh had time you know you said you got sober mm-hmm. like i didn't know any of this and it this stuff this stuff comes up on the show a lot um when when did you start going that direction because what you're doing with the with the calendar and the the documenting your time it seems c- kind of like making amends to yourself like being accountable for for where you are now because you weren't then right like I've, yeah. never it descri- I've never heard yeah. that describe. I've never heard someone doing that. Like I'm in a program myself and I've never heard anyone go with that approach. Like, 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 like you're describing, like documenting every hour, money, things like that, like having that accountability. When did, when did that road start for you with, with, with substance? Was it just the typical, like, I hate to use the word typical, but like, you know, teenage drinking, <laughs> smoking weed, and then growing from there or, or what, what started that for you? If you don't mind talking about
3: um, it. No, I don't mind at all, dude. It was back in 2005, maybe 2004 era. Um, yeah, just drinking at first and uh, the, and weed, um, just fucking around. But uh, no one starts off, at least no, I would imagine 99.9% of people don't start off thinking, oh, one day I'm going to do this extreme drug. Mm-hmm. No one really thinks that. It just eventually gets there. And there was always something that I was chasing. And once this thing would get old, I would go, I wonder what that feels like. And then, but I'll do this, but I'll never do that. Mm-hmm. And then I would try that. And then I would be like, well, I mean, I'm, it's not that far off. I wonder what this is like. And also I had very low self-esteem. This it helped me make, it helped me feel a little more confident in my own skin. Um, And then that became a a bigger issue because I relied on it to be normal, to feel okay about myself. And before I knew it, I was just in too deep. And I never actually denied that. there There was actually not a point that I can think of where I didn't think I had a problem. And that's something that I do think is a little different than the stories that that I've heard is, there was never denial on my end, even when it first started being a thing. I was never thinking, I can quit at any time. That's not true. I did think that, but I also knew I was an addict at the same time. I I knew there was a problem there. I just didn't address it. I knew I needed help too. But it, it, I just didn't care I guess it, fuck it who cares I'll just I'm, I'm gonna do this mm-hmm. for as long as I want probably forever in my, in my head at the time yeah. I, I, I remember being very that was that was my resolve was well this is how I am this is how I feel good this is my life that's okay fuck it'm I'm, I'm comfortable with doing this to myself forever that and, and I was okay with that even though I knew there was a, a big issue there. Cause I couldn't, I just could not imagine being okay or being happy yeah. or looking forward to anything without being high. I was like, I'm sure as you've just shared, you probably understand that sentiment. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That acceptance, the, the accepting the, the denial kind of where it's, it's uh, yeah. You, so I'm going to jump around a little bit here because there's a lot here, mm-hmm. but have you ever gone to therapy? Like, like sit down yep. therapy with somebody have they ever told you like in your first or first or second appointment that you have a really good grasp of who you are like in your situation? Like have they ever made a comment like that? Because what you're telling me through your situation is the same way I felt was that I knew there was something going on, Mm -hmm. but I didn't do anything about, I was completely aware of what's happening but I just didn't, it wasn't enough for me to just say, hey, you know, tap out, you know? Yeah. But whenever I went to therapy, that was one of the first things I said, wow, you got a really good grasp of who you are or or your mm-hmm. situation. And I'm like, well, yes, but I don't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if you got the same thing, the same reaction, because I picked that up from you, you know, with what you're saying. And also just in talking to you, like, like you're very confident who you are. I can tell, like, you know, you know what you can do you know what you're capable of Uh, so i appreciate that jumping around a little bit has that ever happened to you in in a therapy situation
3: um i've had i've i have had similar feedback okay like that um at at the same time i feel like there'd be times in these group therapies where i was still a fucking liar so i wasn't giving all of what i felt on the full the full uh, picture Mm -hmm. um i mostly would spin shit to still make it be a little more errant on, on me knowing what was going on. Yeah, It wasn't all the time, but when I, even when I could be more honest with the, with the therapist or with the group I was a part of, mm-hmm. which I, I would eventually uh, get, I would eventually get there. Um, it was, it was the same type of feedback. It was like, well, you seem very aware what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it run that shit ran in my family. So I knew how it went and they could see that I saw that. It just came down to did i really want to do anything about it and for a while i did i did not i didn't care
2: where did that low self esteem come from like when did we did you have decent self esteem growing up like when did you see the change cuz there's a definite change when it hits i think like yeah like it's like a blanket kind of comes over you and you start questioning what people think and things like that you know my daughter's going through that right now she's 7 and she's starting to not wear her costumes outside because she doesn't want the neighborhood kids to laugh at her, but she'll wear it all oh. day inside. You know, like she's starting to open her eyes to the world and it's really frightening uh, for you though. Fuck. Like when did, when did the self-esteem issues start? Was that fairly young too?
3: Um, dude, I honestly, that's been an eerily relevant question as of lately with some, with other things that I've uh, been working through, and uh, just in general, in trying to grow as an individual, I've had mm-hmm. a lot of stuff has happened to me over the last uh, over the last year in my personal life. It's it's all it's fine. It's nothing. It's nothing super crazy. But uh, in doing that, that question has been brought up to me recently. I don't know. I actually can't cannot pinpoint a time, but I can eerily relate to what you just said about your daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm not wanting to do that. I just don't know where where it came from. I, I don't know exactly when it hit. I can remember I can remember in high school is when I first have very prevalent memories of it, um, feeling very uncomfortable in my own skin, feeling I mean, there's still I still feel like that sometimes. It, it, it's different level now, and I'm way more aware of it. But I think I would mis- mistake it for shyness. I think I would throw them while I'm just shy. But there's a difference. I realize now there's a difference in being shy, mm-hmm. and thinking that I'm lower than the people around me. Uh, so I, I honestly cannot answer that uh, straight straight up, so had, sure.
2: So you had the feeling of lower lower common denominator, or lower lower. Yeah, uh,
3: definitely, dude. Not worthy for
2: sure. Man, that is that like is a, one uh, of the most intense and feelings.
3: And, yeah, I, I, I was an AP student. I uh-huh. was an honor student. I didn't really apply myself the last couple of years. And so uh, but I'm, I'm i was an M one of those students that can pass a class with like a B or a C by doing the bare minimum. And so I half asked a lot of shit, and, and a lot and a lot of my friends uh, in in those same circles were very smart <clears throat> honor students. And I always fell out of place at their house their their houses for sleepovers or shit like that. And there was nothing they did. There's nothing they did at all. It just was like I just thought I was definitely not, not at other people's level. It's interesting. I I think I got to sort through that a little more.
2: That's really, that's really interesting because, uh, yeah, it seems like, like it's, like it's definitely fabricated in your own mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's not real. It's not true. Mm-hmm. And it's something, yeah, it's just DNA level stuff. Like it's, yeah, it's awful. It's awful. I was I'm I'm six foot five, three hundred and sixty-eight pounds, right? Like I had run through a football team, but I was yeah. picked on until sophomore year of high school. I was the tallest person in every school I went to. I would hunch, like hunch over. My mom mentioned this because she's like, you're way taller than all your friends. And I'm noticing like you're hunching over, like you're trying to compensate so you don't tower over hmm. these people. And then I was also embarrassed. I've talked about this on the show before, but my parents, until my dad passed in, in uh, 2019, were together and none of my friend's parents were together. They were all divorced. So mm-hmm. I was embarrassed of the fact that I had a family that was together. Yeah. And that yeah. would that would influence my decisions. That would influence my feeling like I can't talk about like things I did with my mom and dad last week because... My best friend's dad lived in Portland and their mom in Alaska with them. I just didn't talk about my family. I didn't talk about that side of things because I was embarrassed no. that I didn't fit in with them. Like I, yeah. you know, I got this new jacket or whatever and I couldn't wear it to school because people are going to be like, hey, where'd you get that? You know, in my own head. Interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: It's fucking weird, man.
3: It is. It's, really you weird. Out, it's like playing out these scenarios that haven't even happened.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's, it's like a different kind of anxiety as well. And it can inspire anxiety in you. Yeah. Like, you know, definitely. Um, but when you, you said you were chasing something like, were you chasing like the, the escalation or the next, like trying to find the next thing? Or were you trying to like quench something that, that then the one substance wouldn't do it for you? Like when you say you're chasing It it.
0: dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
1: Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians
3: Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. Within the four walls of
0: the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities.
1: Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.
2: Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. Um, So being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure.
3: Uh, It was both. I I really like getting high. Yeah, That, that was, of course, part of it but I wanted, it, it was chasing normalcy mm-hmm. and wanting to feel something extreme, wanting to do everything I did while in this extreme mindset. It's like anything that was normal fun, I wanted to do in an altered state of mind. I just I just wanted more. And, and eventually I would not be satisfied anymore by the amount or or the substance, I'd have mm-hmm. to move on or increase it, of course, because it's just, I I wasn't, it was, I guess you, you used the word quench, and my thirst just hit, well, eventually was no longer quenched. I just mm-hmm. needed something more. A normal life wasn't good enough.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because that's something that, yeah, is uh, chasing that next thing. And And did you feel, did you feel in your in your body, like you said the the feeling of self-esteem, like low self-esteem would go away? Yeah. Was there a point when those feelings would come back even when you were high? Like the point where it was too much of a thing to 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 quench that, like or or uh the the feelings you were having. Like the you were you were getting you were chasing this escalation of 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 you know intensity mm-hmm. to to mask what you were experiencing normally did the normal right. start to creep into the to the other side at one point
3: it it did yeah okay. the the windows of feeling okay and confidence shrank and shrank and shrank and then i would just be more alienated towards the end and before i was uh was able to find uh the healthier route I was just alienating and uh, nothing was really working. In fact, it almost made me feel worse because it's now I'm just this, (laughs) I felt like this worthless human that's hiding away, doing very, doing things that society looks down on uh, as far as uh, substance abuse. Yeah. And my peers and my colleagues are, in my head, living completely normal lives. They're experiencing their late teens, their early 20s. They're doing shit with their friends. And all I'm doing is comparing myself, thinking, why can't I do that while looking uh, physically at the problem of why I'm not doing that? And it was just endless cycle of fuck it, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Um, it this isn't even working anymore, but. That's, I didn't know I didn't know how else to live
2: yeah that's that's intense that's really intense and the fact that our brains can turn on us and like self like like terminate us basically like that they're powerful mm-hmm. enough to to make us terminate ourselves or destroy yeah. ourselves yeah all for all for just something that's like a a momentary like satisfaction and then it's we know in the long term it's not there it's not gonna be there like the brain knows this but it wants that shit so bad that it's willing to destroy us it's like this trust you can't have with your own fucking body like you can trust your body that when you reach out for that glass you're gonna grab it and you're gonna get a drink right you're gonna pick up your shoes like you trust it that it's gonna happen when you step like i'm walking towards the street i'm gonna stop because there's a car coming you trust mm-hmm. yourself enough implicitly that way, but what you're trusting is capable of turning on you, just like anyone else in the world. It's this yeah. fucked up thing that I've been thinking about lately that's just it's terrifying to think about, but it's also incredible, the things we can yeah. do. When we change that little bit, the things we can't, like what you did, turning it around, right? And then seeing I'm going to go and the next year or whatever, I'm going to write down everything to show myself somewhat, maybe even subconsciously what I was what I was wasting the whole time. Yeah. And then now I'm accountable for all that time, all that money. And like you said, you don't even know where it went before. It's Yeah, nuts. I,
3: I became obsessed with logging everything. Mm. And I did that for two years. And I can actually actually remember the day I stopped and the day I stopped doing being so obsessed over logging my calendar of what I was spending my time doing was the day that hail the sun got proper management for whatever reason. It was like, I had reached this point that maybe I was working I mean, I was working towards it, but we had gotten proper management and landed a very, our first national tour, a very big tour. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And that, um, that obsession to log everything was lifted. It happened overnight. I woke up the next day, and I I really can't remember. It was sometime in July, that uh, July 2012, that I no longer needed to log things. I think I probably continued to f- for a bit, especially the money part. Mm-hmm. But my actual calendar, that uh, that obsession was lifted that day. So that, that did tell me that there was a correlation between feeling like I was progressing or feeling like I had accomplished something. I had used my time to progress, to grow, mm-hmm. to build something that I, that was some, to build something I was passionate about and that I wanted to do in my life. I just didn't realize that's necessarily what it was until, until the, the desire was lifted. I, I still do it too. i I've, I've uh, moved myself back into that slowly mm-hmm. because I, like I'm sure you feel, I, I, I sometimes go crazy again. I, I start feeling it sneak in and it's no longer the idea of, of using drugs or abusing substances is no longer an actual relevant thought. It's no longer like, oh, I'm going to go. I, I really try not to do that. That thought doesn't come in my head anymore. It, mm-hmm. It's been a long time it's mostly just the character defects that associate with that the part of my personality that led me that route to begin with starts creeping in and i have to keep it at bay or else i will go crazy mm-hmm. and that comes with journaling that comes with uh logging my time again it comes with reflecting and uh more recently just breathing taking mm-hmm. deep breaths i've gotten i've gotten a. Uh, really used to stopping what whatever I'm freaking out about or obsessing on and just breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so hard for me to take ten deep breaths. Uh over I mean up until maybe th- three or four weeks ago, honestly. It was I realized I would be trying and then a the three breaths in, I would go, this isn't fucking working and just move on. Yeah. But I hadn't even gone to 10. That's like <laughs> that's so that mentality to just be like, it's not working, fuck it. Kick it to the side. Just Calm. Yeah. Be calm and breathe, and that's helped me a
2: lot. Wow. Dude, what we, you we were saying with the, the management thing, like how that lifted that from you, I, I went five years one time without renewing my tags on my car, just because mm-hmm. I didn't want oh to. Like, I didn't want to, and I was like, if I see a cop, I'll pull off the road or just, you know, get in the other lane, and I did that mm-hmm. for five years. <laughs> and I felt fine, right? Like everything's good. Then my family and I are heading to Idaho. Cops, you know, going to his break. He drove past, pulled up beside me, pulled back a little bit, pulled up, looked at me and just said, pull over. Pulled me over. He's like, I saw your tags. I was like, maybe his tags are expired. Okay, I'm going to break. Wait a minute. What year does that say? I'm going to talk about this at the precinct tonight. I'm pulling this guy over. I have to. And I was like, they're expired? Really? Like. He's like, dude, five years. Got a huge ticket. Like it sucked. Like I was like, okay, but he still let me go, you know, and do, you know, finish the trip. But he's like, you're gonna have to come back and fight this in court over here. We were in like La Grande, Oregon or something. Once I got those tags replaced, I noticed this feeling of like calm and serenity over me that I hadn't felt in five years. Because I had that little bit of anxiety with me all the time but yeah. then it was lifted instantly once I just fixed the problem. So it's kind of like tie it together because when you achieve that level, like someone else is now like accountable for, for what you're doing with your time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe that helped pull you out of that, 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 uh, that phase.
1: Somewhere.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That thing, that anxiety you didn't even know you had like, I like, yeah. you know, just lifted. But, um, yeah. So, Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I mean, that's, that's, that's that stuff is hard to talk about sometimes, but we always tend to get there on this show, uh, one way or the other, it comes up somehow, but focusing on, you know, the future and, and coming out of that, coming out of that time, uh, is really inspiring to me to talk about because, uh, once we realize what we're doing is, is destroying us move out of it. The things tend to do from that point on with me, it was severe depression, mental, mental health issues came in afterwards that had been being masked mm-hmm. the whole time. So it's like the one, two oh. punch, right? Like trying to figure that out. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but you know, you're saying working on yourself this last year and trying to, trying to dig back and, and work through these things is extremely admirable. And, and I, lo- I, for you being such a creative person, you have so many outlets to put that into you know what i mean um yeah like so you weren't you weren't you weren't using when you were the band started what 2009 somewhere around yep. there so you were you, you got clean yeah you said 2000, Actually, 2009
3: 2009
2: okay so you weren't in that zone as you were performing working working with the band like you were probably doing music somewhat but you weren't inhale the sun
3: I was in hail, the sun technically did exist from 2007,
1: 2007. onwards. Okay,
3: It wasn't necessarily a full time or serious thing. Mm-hmm. And we weren't in our final stage of lineup that the lineup we have now. Mm-hmm. It's been the same since 2009. It took getting clean. And then that passion came back. Okay. And I thought, I want to be in a band again. I want to actually take this seriously. And so From the time we started doing even DIY tours, I was Mm -hmm. already clean. On my uh, 21st birthday, I had, I I was like nine days away from a year clean. So I also never like experienced the bars or anything like that. Yeah, I was pretty young.
2: Dude, that's, oh, it's, it's, it's rough to hear that. Like going through that at such a young (sighs) age, but it's also amazing. The amount of time you have now to, to go the other direction. Um, Thank you. you. I mean, cheers to you for that. I mean, it's, it's a massive accomplishment and, uh, Thanks, dude. you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that and where does, where does your, uh, like your inspiration when you're, when you're writing music, like does music fulfill everything for you or do you need to have these multiple avenues? Like could music, could music alone fulfill you?
3: I think it could. I yeah. do. I think it's it's more so there's there's days where I feel like there's not enough time in the day. We all have those days. Mm-hmm. But if I'm actually doing productive things with my time, I'm not sleeping too much, I'm actually on a schedule, mm-hmm. there's a lot of time in the day. And all that time would not be necessarily fully filled up the way that I uh my relationship with performing and touring and writing mm-hmm. um, it's not all filled by that. I want to do other things. I, I just want to. And so they're using, I guess it comes down to just, it wouldn't be the only thing that would keep me the type of busy that I want to be kept because it's still everything else I do is related to music hundred percent. And that, that's how I want it. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I just don't. Um, I, I like. I like trying my hand at different things. Mm-hmm. I rather try to um, fuck around with what uh, if am I good at this or am I good at this? Yes, no. Then only sticking to one thing. Uh, I think that the way I, it's impossible to know the future. I think that the way I see my life potentially heading is it's is the weight shifting all around the place but I do think that it's always going to land on writing and performing because I do feel fulfilled that way. I'm able to say what I want to say. It, it's, a, it's definitely, it's the biggest form of therapy for me. And, and myself and the rest of my bandmates are just so um, lo- like, lucky because there's been a fan base that resonates with that. I'm not looking to write a song that I want to try to blow up with in a way. And, and I also don't mind that at all. There's an art to that. There's an art to writing like the perfect song and blowing up from it. That's cool. I'm not dissing that at all, but I write shit uh, because it helps me Mm -hmm. or because I like it Mm -hmm. or because we like it. And that's never changed. I've I've never done something that I feel like has gone against the integrity of why I started doing this to begin with, business and uh, business wise and creative wise, so we're just fucking stoked that people like it. We've continued to have stuff resonate with other people. Um, they'll I'll meet people at shows who will I'll have discussions with about. Uh, certain meanings of things and how it's, it's affected them or resonated with them. And that's great to hear. That's mm-hmm. just super cool. It, it Performing and writing is the most fulfilling thing for sure. It's the
2: best. Dude, do you, do you, I mean, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. Like I'm sure you get plenty of people coming up at shows wanting to talk about things and especially, you know, being, you know, a drummer and a vocalist, like you're going to have multiple fans that want to talk to you about drumming or (laughs) lyrics or whatever you know and and uh one thing it just hearing like the when you guys drop domino like uh dan i think dan had sent it to me maybe right before it came out on spot all the streaming and all that stuff and just listening to the lyrics of that song like i'm not a big lyric person like i if i feel the groove like i'm into the song before the words even start right like some people are Mm -hmm. like lyric people But hearing Mm -hmm. some of the lyrics in that song, like tying into what you said, uh, I made a list of my character flaws, the pen ran out of ink. Like that's when I was like, okay, there's a lot going on here. Like things like that kind of clue you into, it seemed very direct. Like the lyrics for that song Mm -hmm. seem very specific and direct, like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, less elusive than, than other things. Right. Like, so, Right. I really appreciated that too because I was like, now, like you're saying something, like you're you're putting something out there because you have to go out there and own it every night, you know, when right. you're playing. And I'm I'm glad you take such stock in that. And um, you know, as we're talking, it's those lyrics are making more sense to me even without talking about them specifically. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of it is it's just like peeling back pieces of an onion and then putting it back together again. <laughs> you know, and putting it back on the shelf yeah. for someone else to unpack. Right? Like. Right. Uh, what was that podcast you said you're on the other day? It's a, where of all my, where I know where that podcast, are my where are all my friends? Who is that guy?
3: Uh, Andrew Cram. He's, he was an artist manager. Uh, he's done a few things actually in the last several years. Uh, I'm, I worked a band with him. Uh, he was, he managed them and I booked him and okay. we became very close that way. Awesome. Uh, now he's really involved in the in the podcast world yeah and uh, he, he's a very he's he's dope dude one of those super positive mm-hmm. people but not like over just has this great mindset about um about life
2: yeah i see his podcast come up in my feed all the time like you mean nice. like this podcast but i think i've listened to an episode of it i think he did Maybe I forget who it was with, but I I think I checked it out once and I enjoyed it. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts, I just don't have the time unless I can yeah. put on like fast forward <laughs> the two <laughs> times speed or whatever. But uh right. I wanted to ask on that because I wasn't sure who he was, but it's like popping up all over the place and I just wasn't familiar yeah, with the name, cool. but um but yeah, that's why I say like unwrapping the onion, put it back for someone else, you know, to to try their hand <laughs> at. But uh Yeah. Dude, so one thing I was thinking of earlier on with the magazine. Yeah. Every so, there's a few things. So like this is like episode 200 and something of the show. Nice. Every there's consistent things in this show. One is I've had three people from Fugazi on the show. The only bands that don't cite influences as being Fugazi is the three people in Fugazi. Everyone <laughs> else, literally, Fugazi's in there. But there's also like uh, all these arcs so like Thrasher magazine again everyone had the thrasher compilation discs of bands like from skateboarding and that's how they got into music or like there's so many people that have that um mm-hmm. it's it, there's just always these these constants but early touring for bands of an older generation was book your own fucking life have you heard of that it was maximum rock and roll put it out it was like a print uh paper magazine bands Go had your in the own fucking life yeah
1: no, B-Y-O-F-L
2: or whatever. So maximum Rock, maximum Rock and Roll was a magazine. I remember the, Maximum okay. Rock and Roll. I've heard about it. So you could order that, this Book Your Own Fucking Life, and it had like MySpace, right? Like before MySpace. It was, hey, my Oof. name's so-and-so. I have a basement in this town. Here's my phone number. Oh, wow. It was like a message board, and bands would have it in their van. You know, if the show fell through, they would call, or they book tours that way. Yeah. If you could do a print version of something like that with Kill Iconic, that would be amazing. Like an updated... fucking rad. Throw it on the dash of the van. You're not on your... Like, you can hold it. It's there. That would be something that would be totally uh, uh, what's it? nostalgic, but also yeah. pr- purposeful and would bring people, yeah. I think, because so many people talk about Book Your Own Fucking Life. I had it when I wasn't even in a band. I just bought it at a record store because wow. I wanted to look through it. And we ended up using it yeah. for years.
3: That's awesome. That's just... It's like indie on, in, indie on the move or indie on the go website before indie on the go. Exactly. Because that same thing. That's so cool. That that's nostalgic. I I would love to do something like that. In fact,
2: now I probably will. I want to. It's part of put your life. Like you at the magazine. Yeah. You were a booking agent. It's just agent. collectible. You're in a in band. A way. Exactly. And mm-hmm. people could put their their submit their information to that. You know, I think it I think it could work. I was just thinking of yeah. that as you were saying that way earlier, and it was just in the back of my head. Uh,
3: there's a section of the magazine as well it's called a voice from the crowd and uh, every issue we're going to have uh it, there's a way to submit your story it's basically fans uh who are a big part of this community who mm-hmm. um maybe have, their lives have been changed or altered or just something big in their life based on their community and people can write in uh we have an email for that and then everyone uh, each issue, we shift through all the submissions, and we'll pick out one for uh, each issue, unique to that time frame that we do it. And I, I think what's so cool about that, to me, is we see so many of the same people in um, in the same cities. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's there's diehards who will travel and go see five or six shows at a time. Uh, shout out Devin Sandoval, and he's actually the first people person featured in our voice from the crowd section. But I like that because it's crazy, it's crazy to see all the stories come in and how mm-hmm. close like this shit's a lifestyle. That's the biggest part of kill iconic and, and the music that the, the, the bands, the band family that I'm a part of, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's absolutely a lifestyle. And that's, like I said, a musician's dream. That's everything I could possibly ask for because mm-hmm. these there are, of course, there's casual listeners, but there, a lot of the listeners are just so diehard. Like this is their shit. They're the ones who tell all of their friends. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who resonate the hardest with that. And that lifestyle element creates longevity
1: mm-hmm.
3: all around mm-hmm. to be able to still be doing this and still growing, doing it requires that type of connection. Mm-hmm. So I just want to be able to offer something like that in the magazine as well, which is why the thing you just mentioned as well would be pretty fucking cool
2: Dude, to release. I'm telling you, and I'm going to tell you this, this I'll, I'll give this to you right now because it's just, this is my, my, my mind's firing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've probably been told you should start a podcast, right? I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure if you did, people are doing it wrong though. Like what we're doing right now is awesome, but we're doing it wrong, right? Like, Because like you're saying, when you're going to these places and people are sending in their stories, right? Some of the biggest podcasts are like NPR, right? Where they're telling stories from people that no one's ever heard of, but the story's really good, right? Because we want a good story. What if you did a podcast, like a Kill Iconic podcast, you could prep the the issues like what like what stuff is going to maybe be in there some of these stories but when touring starts again you instead of people hey i really want to interview donovan right like uh when can i get some time with donovan you interview them and get the stories from them with you hosting it instead of you going on a bunch of podcasts reverse it and put those stories in their words from your show i think that would be awesome yeah, and especially
3: if they, they have a compelling story.
2: Yeah, because you, I mean, you're mean talking about like looking at these stories is awesome. Like yeah. having that audio companion, but it's you interviewing them. You're flipping the table, mm-hmm. right? How cool yeah. would it be for them to have that opportunity, right? I mean, i no, no, there's yeah. not saying the egomaniac thing like, oh, yeah, I'm going to interview you and it's going to change your life. <laughs> but how cool is it for them? You know, like when they say, oh, man, I met Donovan at the show. He was so cool. We talked about drums for 20 minutes. They'd be like, dude, listen to this fucking podcast. I'm on this podcast with Donovan. People are listening to the podcast now and they're getting the story. Whoa. That word, that word of mouth, that small organic growth would absolutely happen from that. 100%. Yeah,
3: that's awesome. That's a very cool Think about it. Just cool think idea. about
2: these things.
1: <laughs> I'm not <laughs> yeah,
3: trying yeah, to absolutely. tell you
2: how to do your business, but no, as we're talking, like you're inspiring a- me now. Like that's how this fucking changes every time. I, I leave this... Vision office in Portland here, completely inspired after these things. Nice. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. This is my therapy yeah, right here.
3: Yeah, dude. That that's fucking great. Honestly, it, it feels it feels good. And and that's a that's a really good idea. I, I'm I was gonna do a podcast. I am gonna do a podcast and
1: dude, I've gotta been do it.
3: just trying to to do it like you said, the right way. I, the reason yeah. why it's not even live yet is I was I'm not completely sold on the the um The format Mm -hmm. that I want to have so that that definitely gives me more food for thought and ideas especially when we're touring touring again of course
2: yeah yeah just reverse the reverse the feed like reverse the just like you were doing with your early years just reverse it like yeah I this these years are gone won't get them back well let's move forward just flip the script because it's working for you in your life right now right like it's just it makes sense it yeah. makes sense man you've got a great story dude you have a really great story Thanks, and you're doing amazing stuff music's killer i'm gonna go so i'll go look up book your own fucking life after we finish here yeah and i'm gonna go subscribe you. to kill iconic because i want to see it can you buy back issues as well individual
3: yes yeah until they're sold out yep
2: okay i'm gonna do that i'm gonna uh, subscribe we, to this.
3: we only have one issue out We like it's our launch issue oh um, shit. A lot how like did i miss that Uh, It was just last month. It it was a very, uh, recent thing. Okay. Um, but subscriptions are limited. Single issues, uh, are not so limited, but we do have X amount of stock. Okay. Uh, and uh, subscriptions are about sold out, which is fucking awesome. We're just, uh, we still have some stock for the single issue. I I suspect by the time the next issue comes out uh, subscriptions or right before that Mm -hmm. subscriptions will have sold out and I'll open up, a few more uh, for the next issue. Okay. Most likely.
2: Dude. And we're going to put, we're going to put this out uh, closer when the record comes out, but tell, tell people about the new record real quick and then where they can find you on socials and, and uh, let's hit that because it's, dude, I'm stoked.
3: Dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm really stoked for this record. It's called new age filth. Um, we recorded it last January, February, March in Portland. Uh And it was supposed to come out last year Mm -hmm. and it didn't for obvious reasons. So honestly, listening back to these songs on a new age film, since this is going to be released closer to it, it's very eerie. Some of the, uh, my life has definitely changed a little bit Mm -hmm. since then. If, If not, not so much that would be noticeable to other people, but I feel like me as a person, Mm-hmm. I've I've changed for sure. I, I've I've I have a different mindset, different mentality. So hearing the songs is sort of crazy because um I felt I feel like I was different when I wrote them. Mm-hmm. And now they're still applicable, but it's strange because it's a different version of myself, almost fucking Writing down premonitions in a way, and I'm listening to them now, going, "God damn you for fucking willing some of this <laughs> into into existence, or just being uh, uh, characterizing it in a way that still makes sense for him and for me." Mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's a it's a trip. Um, it'll it'll it's gonna be coming out April 16th. This is our first. This was our our first time as a band working with Chris Crummit. We've done a different producer for every album, mm-hmm. and um, of course we've known Crummett. I've done uh, other records with Crummett uh, myself, and we. <laughs> how it took so long to do a record with him, is uh, a <clears throat> interesting in uh, in in and of itself, but. It was magic it just felt magical in that studio he did such an incredible job I, I the times I worked worked with him before too he's such a good vocal mind um, uh, I mean all the people we we worked with are are very, are very talented and have their own thing uh, Chris Chris added some production value that we were just so on the same page. He would come up with these ideas on the spot and immediately apply them while I was tracking so I could hear what the final product would sound like when I got the final take and it made all the difference. It was just, it was so fucking dope. And I feel like this is the most, uh, probably the most produced album we have. Uh, I'm biased as fuck, but I think it's the best work that we've ever put together. I think that uh, our songwriting has hit a a different spot but uh, I I guess it's has grown to a different spot mm-hmm. rather. But the biggest thing is these songs are uh, they resonate with me more than any. There's a col- these collection of songs are just so they really tell a story that I am so fucking glad- well, I was able to get down, was able to put into writing, put into musical notes. Of course, not just me, the band as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hail the sun is a four person co-op. You know, we, we've been a band for a while. Uh, and I, I'm actually, I'm, uh, I will go off on too much of a tangent, no, but this I'm going is good. to be, I'm going to be doing this seminar in March where it's, uh, it's through David Puckett's, um, mentors, uh, music mentors thing where you can give a teach just about what, you know, it's like, it's like knowledge It's stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
3: One of the things I'm going to talk about that I think is fucking overlooked immensely. It should be taught in schools. Even is communication Mm -hmm. bands, just knowing how to fucking talk. That's, (laughs) that's so important. That is 50% of everything, dude. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I, I, I'm, I don't want to preach to the choir, but, but for listeners Mm -hmm. Like knowing how to talk, dude, there's some toxic ass band environments that I've seen and that myself have been unfortunate enough to experience at certain times. And just talking is huge. And how lucky am I to have met the dudes that I play with, the same guys, for 11 years? I value camaraderie. I value, I don't want to say the word loyalty necessarily because it, 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 comes off as like, you must be loyal. You must be loyal. That's not what I mean, but that's the type of person I am is if there's no, if I don't, if I can keep working with the same people and, and having this sense of um, healthy business, I'm, it's, I'm, a, I'm really about the ethics. If I don't need to change something up, I won't do it. Sometimes we have those difficult moments and you do have to change things up and that's just how life goes. I've been a part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh but these guys, uh, this Shane, Eric, and John, my my bandmates, we've all dedicated so much of our lives to this. And we've hit moments that have never even been that bad. But we've had those talks. We've had those talks where it's just being straight up, being honest, knowing how to live with your significant others on the road, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. That is so important. You have to expel any sense of tension, toxicity, resentment that may exist in that fucking van because that's where it stays. It stays in that van. You live in it. Mm -hmm. And when you live in that, you cannot be productive. You cannot be creative. You cannot be yourself. It changes you. And that is something that, I I mean, it's tragic, honestly. There's ways to avoid it. Mm -hmm this whole thought process was triggered right now by just speaking of this co-op of, of guys that I work with. I, I could not do it. Hale the Sun would not exist without the same, um, four people. Mm-hmm. And so we were all up there. I feel like we hit the, the height of our songwriting, um, the height of our relationships, the height of, of the way that we interact. We know each other so well, the, uh, the vibe on how we're able to communicate ideas, how we're able to turn down ideas without Turning down the person without, and I'm not even talking about, oh, let's try to play nice. I just mean, we're up up front, but we know how to work together. Mm. We know how to work with each other. We know how to work with the dynamic of a producer in the room. And we know how to work with the dynamic of pre-production in the room. All of that has contributed, not just to songwriting, all of that has contributed to what New Age Filth is. I think you hear it coming out so fortunate i think the fans are going to love it uh i i personally think that there's better songs than domino on that album so mm-hmm. the fact that domino's has done so well it's it's very reassuring because i really think that we we accomplished something great with this record and uh i'm i'm really fucking proud of it and i think that that's going to i i think you can hear it when you listen to the whole thing
2: dude i'm stoked because I, of course, I've heard Domino, but I purposely did not ask to hear the record before this because I didn't want to. I wanted to talk to Mm -hmm. you and then be able to sit with it like that. That's how I wanted to experience it. You know, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. I wanted to hear your story and then experience it. Right. Because when you were doing that, the Kremit lived like 10 minutes from my house. That's when Dan and I got together to discuss (laughs) his episode and then doing working with this show. He's like, oh, I'm coming wow. back. Okay. I'm visiting the studio with Hale, and I asked him how the record's. Are. He's like, dude, next level. Like he's he was so excited. <laughs> and you know Dan, he's just this, the sweetest <laughs> person, but he will tell you if something's not right. Like he won't blow smoke up your ass, but he nope. when he's stoked, there's no greater feeling. Like yeah. And what you're saying with the communication, an analogy I used have used forever. Like if you put eggshells on the floor of a vocal booth in a conde- with a condenser mic. And try to get the vocals recorded without hearing any of that—it's impossible. It won't work. Th- <laughs> that's the same thing when you're walking on eggshells around your bandmates, and you're trying to
1: like—you're yeah, holding true. on
2: to ideas. You're you're foregoing putting your voice out there because you you're worried about what's going to happen. You don't want to piss this person off. You have unresolved issues with this guy, like, and I've been, I've been there. It's awful. Like, Crummit did yeah. our first record for like a thousand bucks back on rise records with anatomy of a ghost and we would literally show up at his house wow. on time and he'd still be making top ramen in his mom's kitchen then we'd go out to the <laughs> garage where interlace was at the time and and record the record like two wow. maybe two weeks 10 days for like a thousand bucks wow and then all of a sudden Bug. like next right fear before does their record with him and then like we're just watching his career explode and he's so yeah. brilliant he was brilliant yeah. then we're just like, look at yeah. this young kid, like is this is making her, okay, cool. And we were young kids too, but like we're, we're expecting to work with someone older, you know, but like just watching him work, he's a genius. And yeah. I'm so glad people are seeing that now, <laughs> you know, like the, oh, it just yeah, the trajectory dude. for him has been astronomical and he's such yeah. a good person. Uh, he
3: is. When he gets totally. stoked, I get stoked when he's like uh-huh. jazz on an idea um, because I've been there in bands where he, we've restructured songs uh, based off his critic his, his critiques. Mm-hmm. And we've, I've been there for this last hail record. We did so much pre-production. We came to him pretty much with all the songs had been at least in their third form, third to sixth form mm-hmm. already. There were very minor, uh, crazy changes. And so it was very cool bringing those in, having worked so hard on them and him, um, agreeing him, going like this is fucking dope and then once vocals started coming together more and the instruments were layered on top it was even more of a chris just getting really fucking excited yeah and i'm like that's great to see because yeah. if, the, if the producer is stoked on this and we trust <laughs> him so much then then i'll be a, a little more um at ease and uh real quick to comment on something that sure. you said with uh with the communication thing i'm also very much of the mindset of business is business, so to speak.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. I, I, I won't dilly dally necessarily to not hurt someone's feelings. That's not, and and I'm not saying that this is what, um, what you were reiterating, but for Mm -hmm. the listener, it's not about like, Oh, let's just play nice which I'd mentioned before. Let's let's, um, not speak up because we want to make sure everyone's participating. Mm -hmm. That's fucking not what I mean at all. It, 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 still absolutely is important to be direct and, um, uh, make sure that your, your points are getting across what ends up, what ends up happening is, and sometimes it's good that bands break up. And, and I, I, I get to that, I guess, to that conclusion, because sometimes no one's wrong. They're just no, no one's on the same page anymore. Mm-hmm. If you're not on the same page and you can't make someone be on the same page, that's that. Uh, but it's important to at least confront it yeah. and, um, and be able to talk about that. I mean, I, we've all, we've all grown together, uh, H- Hill the Sun guys. Mm-hmm. I've known those guys all of my twenties. I've known Eric, who's, um, my very, very best friend I've known him since fourth grade. Mm-hmm. We've been in bands together since sixth grade. So me and Eric, you know, we, we go way back. We were in death metal bands, metal core bands. <laughs> um, and yeah. I've always jammed together. Like we, me and him got into the experimental shit together. We started listening at the driving and the Mars Volta Mm -hmm. and trying to emulate that and really being inspired by that. Um, and we've grown together. I'm just lucky enough that we've all, uh, grown together and still been able to communicate and the, and still be in the same lane. I just think that I see that, that doesn't happen a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm very fortunate when I see other band dudes, uh, throwing blows at each other on tour, I'm like, fuck, I've never even come close to that with these dudes. Thank God, because uh, I know very well that that could happen if i if I if I would if someone's difficult, even if I could be difficult, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: but it all it all does come together in uh, in the sound of new age filth, I feel like,
2: dude, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to hear it. I know everyone's stoked to hear it, but I'm I'm just excited to know how it came together in such an awesome way. And speaking of coming to one of my finest memories is almost John Gorley and I from Portugal, the man, like almost fist fighting each other in a convenience store. And the only thing <laughs> separating us was a rack of donuts that we couldn't get around fast enough to like, it just over something stupid. Come. Like yeah, it was I'll like come. a definition. We were arguing about the definition of like a sound and an inlet, like something stupid just to get at each other. <laughs> Like we were so <laughs> immature and back then it was embarrassing because then when, when I was with Portugal, the man, like we had grown up a little bit and we were great, we are great friends, hundred yeah. percent. But back then we were just trying to dig at each other enough to get the person pissed off and then like, yeah, yeah what do you want to do about, like just stupid yeah. shit, the stupidest yeah, sure shit, you know, and, and, uh. But yeah, I, that was one of the only time it's come to almost a fist fight, and it was in a convenience That's store, funny. separated by the rack of donuts and candy or whatever. And, That's uh, funny,
3: I, dude. I, I've definitely taken digs and tried to piss my dudes off. I've been <laughs> passive aggressive. Yeah. We we are not perfect. I'm not holier than thou. Once again, to the listeners, like, oh, this dude thinks that he has all the answers and how to keep a band together. No, no, no. I'm just saying what's been working for us. Mm-hmm. But I still. I know I've pissed off. I've intentionally like we've, we've not spoken to each other for four days, one time on tour because shit's gone down. But the important thing is we've figured out a way Mm -hmm. to get through that shit. Even if our way was physically fighting is sometimes if that's what works, that's what works. Yeah. I guess it just comes down to talking and being able to be on the same page and not letting that shit build up to a point where you're talking shit and it just feels gross and it's like these sides it just doesn't work i mean i guess it can't there are anomalies out there but
2: one of them's on your wall it, behind you there in that on that flyer there right behind one? your head fall troy
1: yeah oh yeah you know,
3: we were on I, those I, tours I,
2: I, man that was that was a rough one i love all of them dearly I, uh, but they hate each other <laughs>
3: those guys were huge inspirations to me mm-hmm. um i funny funny story i put a, i put them on my vision board in 2017 when i got in, I listened to this podcast they got me super inspired and started this like okay elevated mindset I was like it, vision board book the fall of Troy and um, it was pretty it was pretty cool because that it did it ended up happening as mm-hmm. I became the agent for the fall of in 2018, but it was sort of surreal going from being such a big fan. I met Thomas mm-hmm. as a stranger in 2009 at, uh, at Slim's in San Francisco to then knowing what, knowing what you're saying and, yeah. and working with the band, but <laughs> I love them all. they're, they're so dope. They, they yeah. all have interesting stories. Andrew, Andrew's done some, he's a, He's gone through it, dude. I mean, they all have. Yeah. He's been on the show twice.
2: We've gone through his whole story. It's insane. And I knew nothing about it. I was on tour with him for like three months and I knew nothing about it.
1: Oh, wow. His his
2: past and what he was struggling with. No, it hit me like a truck. Like we're in his living room doing the first episode of the show. And I'm just like, wait, what? Did you say the H word? Like, what are you talking (laughs) about? You know, and then Thomas and I did like a two or three hour episode a few months ago going through some crazy shit. And he'd already done a two or three hour episode with me earlier, like episode seven. Mm -hmm. I love those guys. And I've been begging Tim to come on for over a year and he just will not do it. But I love those boys. And, and, but yeah, Yeah. they're the prime example of like (laughs) brothers just like, yeah, fighting with each other over stupid shit and just, Mm -hmm. but it comes out in their music differently too. Like it wouldn't be the same if they got along. You know, yeah, sometimes
3: uh, friction makes fire. That's yeah, something Dan exactly. has told me b-
2: before, um, r-
3: relative to certain certain situations. I guess it just every dynamics different. Yeah, every dynamics different. Everyone operates differently, and mm-hmm. it. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't.
2: Absolutely, my friend. Well, Donovan, dude, thank you so much for for coming on the show and doing this. Like I said earlier, you have a fantastic story, like an amazing story of of uh, you know coming back and and really utilizing your gifts you know, and putting some, putting things out in the world is huge Mm. because it will come back to you if you put things out there and what you're doing, you know, with music, with getting bands out on the road, with getting your band out on the road, getting the magazine, like things in people's hands, tangible things that wouldn't be there unless you put in the work. It's a, Mm. it's inspiring, dude. And I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing your story and, uh, all you're doing, man, I really do.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for the kind words. Thanks for having me. On, on your podcast and for taking the time to do it.
2: Dude, absolutely. Pleasure's all mine, my friend. And and uh, so be well and, and uh, we'll chat soon. I'll, I'll I'll get in touch when this is coming out and, and we'll get everything okay. together. And dude, it's just been awesome. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, I've enjoyed this. Thank you so much, dude. Awesome. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. All right.
1: Okay, bye-bye. All right,
2: see you later. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Donovan Malero from Hail the Sun. The new album is out this Friday. It is called New Age Filth on Equal Vision Records. It's a fantastic record. I think you guys need to check it out. Um, And I I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. I had a great time talking to Donovan. We'd never met before this. Um, So it's always interesting to get to know someone, get to know someone you know nothing about um, other than their music. So there was a lot more to that story, and and hopefully you guys took a lot from that. Um, I appreciate you guys coming back week after week, episode after episode month after month, day after day. Some, some weeks we're putting out two episodes a week, sometimes just one, uh, but you guys have been engaged in doing an, an amazing job of spreading the word and reviewing the show. That being said, definitely, if you have not yet, go review the show on iTunes. Spotify, unfortunately, doesn't let you review them, um, but you know, it, to each their own, I guess. They, they've got their own thing going on over there at Spotify, um, but definitely on iTunes, go review the show. Write a review, a short review, a long review. Just review the show. I really appreciate that. So, um, yeah, new album out this Friday is New Age Filth by Hail the Sun. And uh, we've got some more awesome episodes coming out for you. Go join the Facebook group, the Peer Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle Facebook group right now. And you'll get all sorts of um, early, early glimpses at what's coming up. And then uh, we've got a lot more in in store that we're going to announce very shortly, I believe, next week. Um, but if you're in that Facebook group, you'll see what I'm talking about already and be able to sign up for things. Uh, so go do that now. Purepleasurepodcast.com is the website. Uh, cheers to all of you for coming back week after week. I really appreciate it. But I'm going to get out of here and get this episode built and it's out to the world with Mr. Donovan. So without further ado, and as always, we'll see you on the radio.